electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Hi, I'm CNBC producer Katie Kramer. Today on Squawk Pod. In alphabet soup, brought to you by the letters FTX, SBF, and CZ. I'm just shocked. Xiaoping Zhao, CZ, runs the world's largest cryptocurrency exchange, Binance. And he walked away from the role of savior when rival FTX collapsed. I got a call from Sam 24, 48 hours after I made the tweet, and he wanted to talk. CZ slams the behavior of Sam Bankman-Fried, SBF, during the dramatic downfall of a crypto darling. It was pretty clear pretty soon that this misappropriation of user funds, user funds are gone. FTX was at one time worth $32 billion, now bankrupt. Can you fathom that he lied to you like this, if that's the case? I obviously did not know him until about a week or so ago. Everyone's on the crypto story, but only we have the crypto story from a player at the center of the saga. This incident will set us back a bit, but then the industry will become healthier. So it's actually better in the long run. It's just surprising that so many people at those levels didn't realize there was anything really wrong. All that today, plus Joe, Becky, and Andrew on the stories that got us squawking. The Republicans make it official, and Swifties go antitrust. There is a concert coming up, Andrew. We should all go together. Maybe the Quicks, the Kernans, and the Sorkins should go to see Taylor. I think that's a plan. It's Thursday, November 17th, 2022. Squawk Pod begins right now. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Squawk Box here on CNBC. We're live from the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. I'm Becky Quick, along with Joe Kernan and Andrew Ross Sorkin. NBC News now projecting the Republicans will take majority control of the House. The latest estimates expect Republicans will win 221 seats to 214 for Democrats. Yesterday, House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy winning a party vote to become the GOP nominee for the Speaker of the House. He's going to need support of the majority of the chamber, at least 218 votes, to become Speaker when the full House votes in early January. President Biden congratulating McCarthy and expressed a willingness to work, quote, across the aisle. Now to the latest, though, around the collapse of FTX, the now bankrupt crypto exchange is looking to distance itself from its former CEO, Sam Bankman-Fried, saying uh, he has no affiliation with the firm and does not speak on its behalf. That statement comes after Bankman-Fried uh, has been trying to explain his side of the story. One tweet at a time saying he and FTX became, in his words, overconfident and careless. We're going to hear from another major player in that story, Binance CEO, CZ, <laughs> CZ, uh, Peng Zhao. We just call him CZ, even in a teleprompter. We just yep. call him CZ. I don't know how much he can say, but I, I'm very interested. He said a lot. He said a lot already. He said a lot already, and then the, he was speaking earlier overnight yep. at, a, at a conference he was at. He got a good look at before everything imploded even more. He got a good look at the situation. Some people say he caused some of it. Yeah, but I think enough to say yeah. there's no way. There's no way. It, it, this was, did, did you think it was a little poignant? Did you read any of this about the, I mean, there, there are a lot of people that work for FTX that, that thought that they were changing the world. And, well, I think what was fascinating was... And it happened so fast. They thought it's they were like, changing the world. He 
now says in some of these text messages, which we'll talk about later, yeah. that it was all a lot of BS. I, I, I don't know if you saw his comments about ESG and trying to uh, sort of put him, you know, uh, drape himself in the flag of uh, altruistic this and that. Do you think and that was really him? I mean, because if it was, I he's, do. He's, I do really think him, it, I do think it was really he's him. He's a sociopath. And but don't I, you commend guys, him for actually, for actually admitting the emperor has no clothes? That he has in, no clothes. In his case, if, that, if that's <laughs> the case. I just meant in general. And, and, and I thought, you know, again, uh, you know, if the DMs are, are to be believed, and yeah. I, think, I think they are. It looked like it was legit, um, but I, it, they were so you strange. You never know it was anymore. Like, you got to be kidding me. You that, never know anymore. That he was, you know, genuinely not just commingling the funds, but in some cases uh, never actually oddly mingling the funds, yeah. meaning the funds might have never even moved. He was talking at certain points about people who were sending money to Alameda as if it was intended for FTX and it never leaving Almeda. Yeah. So Almeda. Yeah, what about, Almeda. What about uh, suing celebrities that were part of it? Is that does that go anywhere? Did you see they're, they're like trying to sue they're trying some to, of the people that were like, Tom Brady, Larry David. Right. That's like trying to go where the money is, right? <laughs> You're not going to be able to get your money back probably through this. It's going to be wrapped up in bankruptcy for a decade or so. Maybe, I think it's going to be very hard to. What was your, your when we talked about man and, and Corzine? The, the narrative is everyone got everything back. You say that that's not necessarily true, or did you say, or did no, every, I, everyone was made whole? Everybody was made okay. whole in that case. What are the chances that happens again? Zero. <laughs> that's bad. Well, the, mo the money's gone. The money's gone. It's not crypto heaven. It didn't heaven. exist. Yeah. Well, either either it didn't exist, and it's a combination of it didn't exist. Some of it didn't exist, what did. and some of it was traded away and lost. So some of these employees at the firm, how much? In other places, it looked like they just they lost. Some of them. They had all the, a lot of their money in, in FTX, and it's all gone. How much did some of them think they were worth? Do you think some of the higher? I mean, some of them probably thought they were worth hundreds of millions of dollars. Oh no question. And no now question. they're not worth hundreds of millions. Of dollars. That would be one of them uh, immediately regurgitated, which uh, you you would think that might happen if all of a sudden you found out you're. It's just surprising that so many people at those levels didn't realize there was anything really wrong. With, when, you, right. when you consider how Do you think they loosely, definitely didn't? Did they, remember Madoff, you think the Suns definitely didn't? I actually didn't? think it's, it was only, in this case, I, I want to say somewhere between, you know, five, four or five, and a dozen people, that, I think, that, who appreciated it. an idea. An idea. Uh, yes, because they were running an exchange, and I think that they thought they were running an exchange. Why they thought that exchange was somehow worth the, that valuation is different. Because what we're really talking about is the valuation of FT all those people who thought they were worth hundreds right. of millions of dollars were based on the idea that FTX was worth right. $30, 40000000000 billion. And that was the conundrum. That was the problem. Yeah, but it must be so easy to believe that when you're there and right. happy and psyched and he's, seen, he's so charismatic and everything. But it wasn't, the Madoff thing was different because that was a private company. You, you sh should have known that there wasn't enough money like to actually literally hand out. Yeah. In this case, they weren't handing out money to people. People but just people thought that the value. Accepted that split. No, but they thought the valuation. That they thought the valuation of no. this of their of their stake in FTX was worth a lot. Although Novogratz himself was saying he didn't know where he was getting all this money. He said, in hindsight, looking at this, where is he getting all this money? Right. Where's he? What's he? Right. No, no. There should be questions of where. Where is he? Meaning, um, Sam 
getting, making all of this money that's supporting the valuation. I think that's what but we're really I, I talking about. I thought what Mike Novogratz was saying is he was spending a lot of money, putting out a lot of cash to acquire some of these other companies. Then what you heard right. about what he was giving to Democratic candidates and beyond, I think Mike was like, where is he getting all this money? He said it didn't occur to him. It, he thought about it at the time, but in hindsight, it's huge right. red flags. It's unbelievably frustrating that, you know, we basically have a a situation that looks like Theranos. Looking back, there are always red flags and you're like, oh, you know, I kept asking myself, where is he getting all this money to be buying these things? Because the business wouldn't generate that. He, right. he was trying running, not a similar business, but that he, I think you could tell. It, that reminds me of the old Bernie Ebers days where all the competitors were like, guys, can they really be that good? Can they really be turning in these numbers? And no, they really couldn't and weren't. And more fallout uh, this morning over Taylor Swift's uh, tour ticket fiasco. Activists and lawmakers are renewing calls uh, to split Ticketmaster and Live Nation, which merged back in 2010, claiming the company is essentially a monopoly. Some are also calling for the Justice Department to get involved. The Tennessee Attorney General said yesterday he's investigating Ticketmaster for possible antitrust violations. He said the problems with uh, the Taylor Swift ticket launch could be an indicator that there's not enough competition in the market. Take a look at Live Nation shares and uh, the phenomenon that is, there's never, I don't know, I guess you can find a few people in history like Taylor Swift, but it's tough. When you release something, you get 10 out of 10 of the top 10 songs. There is a concert coming up, Andrew, and I'm already monitoring. Um, Tickets? Yeah. Yeah, it's in May, right? At, here, at uh, here MetLife. MetLife. Yes. How'd you know? I have children, you know. I do too. Yeah, My well, children should, are, are, should, are young adults. We but, should all uh, go together. Maybe the Quicks, maybe the Quicks, the Kernans, and the Sorkins should go to see Taylor. A, I think that's a plan. There, schedule it. Is it a weekend or a weekday? She is a phenom. It's a weekday. I don't know how someone. I know her father a little bit, and I ask him, "How did you do that?" Because I know him, and it's like, "How did you do that?" I mean, the the, the songwriting ability and the just. The whole package is just sick. I wonder how much, she's gonna be a billionaire, I think, don't you think? Totally. And I should say, by the way, even though my kids love her, I love her too. So do I. Not, I, don't want I know, to, I don't want she to say it's across the board. Totally. Cheese will be next. Still to come. Did you have suspicions about this? An exclusive interview with the CEO of Binance, the largest online exchange for cryptocurrency, about the fallout from his suspended deal to save the now bankrupt rival FTX. He has harsh words for the embattled public face of FTX, Sam Bankman-Fried. We were never in a battle with him. He may think he's in a battle with us. We didn't even notice. Squawk Pod will be right back. From a flat tire in the city to a dead battery on a distant drive, AAA is partnering with T-Mobile for Business to accelerate response times and get more drivers back on the road fast. Our nationwide connectivity powers location telematics, so AAA's fleet can find stranded drivers quickly while being fully equipped with the in-vehicle tools to have answers when they get there. This is elevating the member experience. This is AAA with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. 
Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. Welcome back to Squawk Pod. The collapse of crypto exchange FTX. It has had a domino effect throughout the cryptocurrency industry. Longtime skeptics are feeling validated. And I told you so moment. And the whole drama is raising questions about the hype and the hope of crypto, even among longtime believers. What actually happened? Sam Bankman Fried is the 30 year old founder of exchange FTX. 30 with a cool nickname, SBF. He drives a Toyota Corolla and was the boy king of crypto. You know, each day a little part of me wakes up and says like, holy sh like FTX, it's still making money. But, but like, that's not most of me, right? Most of what I'm thinking is instead like, how do we make this better? How do we optimize it for what we have? And the sense of discovery is much more with like new things, right? Like that sense that like, like holy shit, I can't believe this works. Sense is something I feel when we release something new that does well. You're pretty low-key in terms of when we think about billionaires. You don't drive a Lambo? <laughs> no. The place I live was intended to be an incredibly nice apartment for four people, and we've turned it into an apartment for 10 people. In just one week, Sam Bankman-Fried went from being worth $16 billion to hiding out, we think, in the Bahamas, where he's been living, and he's worth next to nothing. His former acolytes, the millions of investors once thrilled with the crypto millions SBF helped them make, they've all turned on him. As they got bigger and bigger and we saw some of their backers, uh, we assumed that they'd cleaned up their act. And we were just wrong. SBF and FTX seemed like they had nailed it. The firm acquired others, bailed out industry failures, convinced the best-known, highest-profile investors in crypto, Sequoia, Ribbit Capital, SoftBank, that FTX was the star of their portfolios. Except it wasn't. According to reporting from The Wall Street Journal, SBF lent billions of dollars of customer assets to his trading firm Alameda Research to fund bets of its own. When customers tried to withdraw their funds from FTX, the platform didn't have the money. And frankly, neither did Alameda, which had also borrowed. Now, the one major competitor during the short golden era of FTX, Binance. When a run on investor assets threatened the liquidity of FTX, Binance first offered to buy the exchange, but then backed out after looking at the books. CEO CZ said the issues at FTX were beyond Binance's ability to help. Ouch. The FTX token, FTT, see, I told you, alphabet soup, the tradable virtual currency issued by FTX, lost most of its value, sinking to $5 from 22, almost instantly losing billions. Binance was a huge holder of FTT until CZ tweeted that he was out of the proposed deal and Binance would be liquidating the FTT on their books. Binance has its own tokens too, BNB, which is a utility token issued on the Binance platform, and BUSD, Binance's stablecoin. It's a cryptocurrency issued by Binance and tied to the US dollar, and that peg earns it the title stablecoin. So it's a hot mess and is unfolding in real time on 
Twitter. A messy, convoluted story made all the more so. Sam Bankman-Fried tweeting from his presumably really nice billionaire bunker in the Bahamas that he messed up that he became overconfident and careless. Rivals and former allies tweeting their sides of the story, and Bankman-Fried, while under investigation by the SEC and the DOJ, talking to reporters via direct message on Twitter. Vox reporter Kelsey Piper DM'd SBF, who said he didn't mean to do sketchy stuff, but essentially admitted that when he talked up his ethics standards in past interviews, it was a PR stunt. Sam Bankman-Fried has triggered contagion. Cryptocurrency markets are crippled, and major players, who are all interconnected, are in trouble. Genesis, a lender for crypto hedge funds, has $175 million in exposure to FTX, and now it's in a liquidity crunch. It's owned by Digital Currency Group, which also owns Coindesk and Grayscale, which operates the world's largest crypto fund. The whole mess brings up questions about regulating crypto, how to apply mechanisms from traditional finance, like anti-money laundering, AML, more letters, and know your customer verifications, or KYC. These are all gonna come up, I promise you. In this swirling alphabet soup, bankrupt and hobbling FTX is now under new leadership and distancing itself from SBF and his tweets. Stepping up to fill this space, finance. Joe, Becky, and Andrew take things from here. Here's Andrew Ross Sorkin. Joining us right now is CZ. He's the CEO of the world's largest crypto exchange, Binance, and somebody who has seen the books. CZ, it's good to see you this morning. Uh, we're all trying to understand the aftermath, the knock-on effects, the dominoes and the like, but why don't you take us back, if you could, to when you first got the call from Sam and you first had a chance to look at the books, because I think a lot of people are still trying to understand exactly what happened here. How much of this was about co-mingling, how much of this was about terrible marking of the books. What did you see? Yeah, I think um, I got a call from Sam 24, 48 hours after I made the tweet, and then um, he wanted to talk. So at the beginning, I thought he would just wanted to you know, do a buyout, on, um, do an OTC deal to buy out the um, um, FTT tokens we had. And then he wanted actually a, a buyout of the entire firm, uh, of the entire FTX platform. And then, um, but then we got our team on it. They, uh, it was pretty clear pretty soon that there's, you know, um, there's misappropriation of user funds. Um, the user funds are gone. Um, and um, uh, at that point, um, it's clearly that he lied to his users, his investors, his VC investors, um, his employees. At that point, I thought I couldn't, like whatever data that's in the data room, we couldn't trust anymore. So it was quite hard for us to do that due diligence. So we didn't go very far. You know, we've all seen his tweets now overnight. Do you think he understood what he was doing? I think he thought he understood. Um, I think he probably still thinks he understands what he's doing now, which I don't think he should be tweeting. That's for sure. Um, but, but in terms of intent, I mean, one of the things that's going to be looked at, I'm sure, by regulators, uh, potentially by prosecutors, is what he intended to do. Um, he seems to suggest in a lot of these 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 tweets that he didn't understand or he didn't, he mismarked things. And when I say mismarked, he mislabeled things is what he's, I think is the phrase that he's used. And yet, when you looked under the books, clearly it, it appears that he was demonstrably commingling funds, using uh, the funds to leverage himself up and the like. 
Yeah, I think, look, I didn't do the due diligence myself, but I think it will be very, very clear that uh, Sam knows that he was using the user funds to do trading for Alameda. And he has been probably doing this for quite a while that nobody else knew until very recently. Well, a small number of people in FTX probably knew, but most of the other uh, normal employees probably did not know. I think that's probably the most likely situation. You know, one of the things that I think this has demonstrated to the public about crypto is just how leveraged the business is, um, how so many of these coins, uh, that FTT token uh, and other tokens have been used to leverage other tokens. How concerned are you about that? And how much leverage is in the Binance system, if you will? Sure. So I think um, we are very concerned about anybody using the token they create for leverage um, for um, um, as a collateral. Um, at Binance, we don't do that. Uh, we don't use BNB as collateral for any for anything we do. Um, so uh, it's very simple. But when you think about the health of, of uh, the, the quote unquote balance sheet of so many of these firms in the crypto space, in the ecosystem, how much of those of those balance sheets do you think are actual fiat currency that has some stability uh, versus some kind of token or other kind of cryptocurrency that may or may not actually have the value uh, that it uh, pretends to have in part because the float of some of these, these tokens is so low that it appears the other piece of it is that some people are almost artificially inflating the valuations of these things. Yeah, so I think there's a couple of things here. There's the user assets. You should uh, every exchange should just hold the user assets as is, as chosen by the users, uh, whatever assets they want to allocate to. There's the operational funds for the business itself. Um, that should be in a combination of cryptocurrencies, stable coins, and maybe even some fiat currencies. Every different business can allocate that differently, depending on their risk appetite and the business model. Binance has always been profitable. So even, uh, even today, we're profitable, we're sustainable. So we, but our rough allocation is about a third in stable coins and then a third in some of the larger coins. And also we keep the BNB um, uh, coin that we hold very separately in our accounting. And this has been in our uh, financial reports even from very early days. So we always keep the BNB separate uh, uh, in terms of accounting for the cash flows we have. We do believe that many other platforms may uh, include this as their cash reserves, um, which is a uh, and when they present to potential investors, etc., uh, that may be somewhat um, uh, risky or misleading. Uh, so we, we we don't do that. Uh, we have records of our financial statements from very early days. We have always kept BNB separate. CZ, that was my question, though. I, I, I know you guys did release some, and in, in the thought of being transparent with some of this last week. I, it, the analysis of it, the $75 billion of, of some of those coins you have, 40% are your own branded stablecoin and native coin, 23 billion in the BUSD stablecoin, 6.4 billion in the Binance coin. Where do you get those marks? What is it based on? How much of that is floating? What were the last tranches that were out? Because I think that's one of the biggest problems with what happened at BTX. It sounds to me like he was loaning out money or using money and giving it to other people and then telling them to turn around and in invest in his coins that gave them a ridiculous markup on those. Where, where do you get those valuations? How confident are you that those marks are real? I think you're confusing a couple of things, which, which might be a common misconception out there. Um, the assets we disclosed were 100% user assets. It just means okay. users were holding that much BUSD on our platform. Uh, we don't do any conversion. Uh, it's just it's just held as is. 
So okay. we don't have any reserve issues. We don't have to convert back and forth. Uh, and also uh, BUSD, even though it's, people refer to Binance as Binance USD, is not issued by Binance. It's issued by Paxos. Paxos, Paxos right. is an NYDFS regulated entity from in New York. But just uh, how much do you hold again? You said it's about 30% you were just saying. Are, are coins, some of these stable coins and others that you're holding? I mean, that's, that's where so many people, to me, they seem like the CDOs, that the marks are really off base. How, how, how much do you hold yourself and where do you get those marks? How confident are you? All right, so uh, Becky, there are two separate things here. There's the user funds. Uh, which I, I know, I'm hold, asking about yours, fine. Don't worry about the user funds. Let's just talk right. about your finances then. Right, so that's $76 billion worth were user funds. So that's not to right. be I'm, mixed I'm granting with our you that. You said 30% is what you hold though, right? Now, for our internal operating funds, the money that we have, we have about a, th about, about a third in um, stable coins. But are you confident with those marks? What would happen if those marks turn out to not, to not be real? What, what would happen to your bottom line? What would happen to your stability? Uh, we're still profitable. So every month, we, 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 don't, we, don't, we don't dig into our reserves to, uh, for money. Every month, we're still profitable. CZ, help us with this. Um, there's lots of questions about Genesis. Uh, there's lots of questions about uh, a lot of folks who've been searching for yield, uh, a lot of yield products, if you will. And, and whether all of that is about to become undone, how connected that is to the rest of the system. Can, can you sort of walk us through what you think may or may not happen here? Yeah, so um, there are a number of players who uh, uh, provide high yields to attract customers and they promise high yields, uh, et cetera. And they don't really have a, um, they just give that money that users give to them to somebody else to try to make those yields. Those business models are high risk. Um, I don't know how many people are exposed to Genesis or FTX in those categories, um, but I think there probably uh, will be a few uh, a few players that are you know in a liquidity uh, crunch. So I think that will most likely ha uh, that's probably the case for uh, at least a few players, um, but most of them will be quite a bit smaller than FTX. So um, as the cascading effects from FTX goes, uh, each one is going to be a little bit smaller. How much damage do you think this collapse is, has ultimately done to the industry? It, you know, people have talked about us being in a crypto winter. Others have said that this may turn into some kind of crypto ice age. Um, how do you think about that? Um, to be honest, before this crash uh, or before this FTX crash, uh, FTX had somewhere around 3 to 5% of the global market share, uh, depending on what, what you count. If you count trading volumes, um, they they have very they have much lower number of users, but they seem to have high volumes. So most likely, those uh, in theory should be institutional investors. Those guys should have a high appetite for risk. Um, the so um, it's somewhere between the three three to five percent of the market. Um, so that's where the that's where the impact is. Um, it's it's still a decent number. Um, so quite a lot of users got hurt, but it's not like you know fifty percent of the market or anything but like can that. Can I say on a very personal basis how, how you think about Sam? And, and the reason I ask because I think at some point, obviously, you were friends. You were his original investor in all of this. Can you fathom that he lied to you like this? If that's the case. Yeah, so I'm very shocked that I, I obviously did not know him until about a week or so ago. Um, so I'm I'm just shocked. Um, I'm I'm shocked that you know he lied to everybody. You didn't know him till a week ago. I didn't know what kind of person. I didn't know that he lied to everybody until a week a week ago. So CZ, just just getting back to just what this means for the future of just crypto in general. A lot of people uh, have said there's. There's Bitcoin and Ethereum and there's everything else. I know you, you, you've probably heard that. Do you think this was some type of in, inevitable 
shakeout that we're seeing? And do you still think these, you know, 21 million by the year, I don't know when we finally get the last Bitcoin mine, but you can, with stock to flow models, you can still make a $50,000, $100,000 a coin forecast. Do you think those eventually come true or is this just one big house of cards um, across the board, Susie? And I, I, I'm sure that you don't think it's a house of cards, but uh, do we push the time frame out for when it happens? Um, I think, well, first of all, I, I, as you said, I don't think it's a house of cards. Um, there are fundamental technologies that are much better than the tools we had to transact, to raise money, to do uh, global payments, et cetera. So there's a fundamental technologies that are much better than the tools we had before. So it's definitely not a house, uh, a house of cards. Um, at the same time, I'm not very good at price predictions. Um, I don't do those things. Um, I think there are smarter people out there that seems to have some formula to predict it. And I don't believe those things anyway. So um, uh, I think fundamentally, though, uh, if we look at the industry five years, 10 years from now, the industry will be much, much bigger. Um, I don't know what's going to happen to the Bitcoin price. Uh, Bitcoin is a limited supply. Um, I also do not think that Bitcoin and Ethereum are the only two coins that will benefit. <clears throat> We're very far from a one coin take all kind of market. There's still many innovations on block, different blockchains, different projects, et cetera. So actually today, one of the largest businesses are not um, the blockchain businesses. They're, they're actually exchanges. So um, yeah, so I think, no, we're, we're early in the industry. This, this incident will set us back a bit, but then the industry will become healthier. So it's actually better in the long run. Susie, can we just talk about regulation for a second? And by the way, there were some comments. I don't know if you read Sam Bankman-Fried's DMs in this Vox interview overnight, where he effectively says, you know, he was going in try saying he wanted regulation and then says, well, actually, the regulators can't do anything and they can't protect the customers. Uh, you've spoken, I think, historically saying that you never really thought you'd ever, you know, sort of come on board to a, sort of a U.S. system. You obviously are based abroad. Um, there's a lot of questions right now about, you know, uh, whether regulations could have avoided this, could have protected uh, folks from this. What do you think? First of all, I, we, we very much embrace regulations in the U.S. Binance U.S. is an entity set, set up in the U.S. It has 44 state licenses, um, and of which 10 or 12 of them were acquired in the last, were, get, were granted in the last year. So Binance U.S. Um, is it's definitely embracing the U.S. regulations. And Binance.com is embracing regulations all around the world. So that has always been our philosophy. Um, I think reg regulations could minimize some of the problems, but when a person lies, uh, when, when there's a bad player that just want to do bad things, regulations doesn't prevent it. Uh, having banning guns doesn't, doesn't mean that some no one will just take a gun and shoot somebody. Um, that's just one person going crazy or lying or just a bad player. So I think regulations will help, but you will not eliminate this, this problem. So we shouldn't blame this problem on, on, on any single person other than Sam. Um, but everybody in the industry do share a bit of a responsibility. Um, he used the phrase F regulators, by the way, uh, which I thought was shocking relative to what he's said publicly about that. Um, I want to show you, if I could, last week on the program, uh, we had SEC Chairman uh, Gary Gensler, and we talked to him about whether Americans who have money in Coinbase, and I said, I, I said Binance as well, given that you guys are the two sort of largest exchanges, at least that are accessible here in the U.S., should feel confident that they can get their money out. And I want to just play you what he said about it. I'm not going to speak to any one platform, but I would say that you, you have uh, rescued these the rules and the laws are clear, but do not assume that these firms are complying with the, the uh, rules and the laws that the New York Stock Exchange 
or are the biggest uh, brokerage apps uh, are complying with? You want to react to that? Um, I think, look, Binance US operates very, very much according to the rules. So um, I don't think there's any doubt there. Um, I, that's it, really. What rules? Look, Binance US complies to, it has 44 state licenses in the US, MSB licenses. They comply with all the regulations regarding that license. And Binance US or Binance.com, we do not move user funds for our own purposes. The user funds stay as is in the custody. And that's it. Here's, here's a regulatory question, and I think it's why at least U.S. regulators have struggled so mightily with this issue of, of how of really how to regulate the industry, which is, you know, some people have, have complained that, you know, banks, for example, are not allowed to custody this stuff technically just yet. And one of the reasons for that, I think, is that you're looking at an industry where the regulators say it's a global business. You know, your, your business, Crypto.com, other exchanges live outside of the U.S. You're never really going to be able to regulate that part of it. So if you're only regulating a little piece of it here in the U.S., you know, and it can have these knock-on effects, how much, how much can the regulation really help? And are you effectively normalizing something they don't want to get normalized? What's your reaction to that? And what do you tell regulators about all this? Yeah, so um, this is a global industry, but most platforms like Binance.com do not accept U.S. users. Uh, most large platforms do not do that. There are some smaller exchanges in different parts of the world that may do that. Um, but Binance is one of the largest platforms in the world, and we follow those rules very, very strictly. So uh, for us, Binance US service US uh, uh, users, and they follow US rules. Um, it's very simple. Uh, so I think regulations are uh, effective. Uh, we do would like to see more regulatory clarity among some of, some of different issues. So I think previously, most of the regulators were more focused on KYC AML, uh, less focused on user asset, proof of reserves, et cetera. So I think that will come. And Binance US is fully compliant. And Binance.com is fully compliant with 15 different regulators all around the world. So, um, yeah, so I think uh, regu regulations are effective uh, when, when they are clear. You talked... Sorry, you talked about AML um, and, and KYC. This has to do with trying to prevent money laundering and the like. As you know, there have been reports uh, about investigations about money laundering through uh, Binance related to Iran. Um, Nur Rabini took to the stage where you are uh, and made that comment. And, and, and uh, just, just in the past day, I'm curious the state of that investigation and if you can speak to it. Number one, that report written by Reuters is wrong. Um, it was it was fed to Reuters by quick by a website called Currency.com. Currency.com is used to be a Russian owned uh, website. Um, I think FTX bought a part of the equity there. Uh, we do believe that uh, um, Currency.com gave Reuters that uh, access to a uh, platform that had that gave them some uh, wrong data. We use all the industry um, uh, common platforms like chain analysis, elliptic, TRM for transaction monitoring. It's the same tools used by law enforcement. And um, we are very confident that our practices comply with the industry requirements. And the Reuters article is misleading. And Rubini, um, I would just say he's he 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 tried to become famous by attacking everybody. Um, that's all he does, and I don't think he, he I don't think what he says carries much weight. CZ, um, Sam Bankman-Fried has said that it was not a good strategic move on his part to get in this battle with you. He says he regrets it because obviously it helped reveal the issues with FTX that led to the collapse of all of this. Do you regret that feud? 
we were never in a battle with 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 him. Uh, he may think he's in a battle with us. We we didn't we we didn't even notice. Uh, we did hear some concerns about you know uh, him bad mouthing us behind uh, behind our backs uh, in DC in other political lobbying circles. We just said, look, we don't want to be entangled. We just want to with we just want to exit our equity portion. We did that a year and a half ago. Um, and as part of the, as part of that transaction, we got some FTT tokens. And recently, with the news of them becoming insolvent, carried by CoinDesk first, we just said, well, we want to sell those tokens. Um, that's that's all we did. Uh, we were never against them. We were never we 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 didn't we don't focus on our, we don't focus on other smaller exchanges. Um, focusing our energy there doesn't give us the best return. Um, uh, if we take customers away from them, we may grow by one or 0.1 percent. Whereas if we can help grow the industry, we can grow by 5x, 10x, 100x. So we are much more focused on how to grow the industry more healthily together with other exchanges. So we never we never view them as a, a, as, a as a competition or as a fight. He may have that he may have that in the, in his head, but we were never focused on we were never focused on that. So the idea that this was a move to destroy him or or this or that uh, you don't agree with. But did you have suspicions about this? And when and you know you went public. Uh, with your decision to to sell those tokens, I think you went to you he went public with the decision to sell the tokens before you sold them, which was interesting to me because I thought to myself uh, maybe you'd sell them first or even short them or something if you didn't if you weren't doing that. Well, but why go public with it and 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 what was the intent around that? So we just want to be transparent, right? So um, our team says, look, there's this CoinDesk article saying that FTX may be insolvent. Are they insolvent or not? We don't know for sure. Uh, we never, at that point, we never look at that books. Uh, and even if it did, we I, I don't try, even during the DD process, when we look at the books, I don't trust the, I don't trust those numbers. I can't trust those numbers. So at the time, we didn't know. Um, but um, we said, yeah, let's sell it. And then there was a blockchain transaction from the address that we received it and deposited onto Binance.com. Uh, well alert, one of the industry uh, monitoring tools reported it on Twitter, and there was some discussions. I, our team asked me, should we be more public about it? Yeah, I said, yes, yes, we should be more public about it. We should be, we should be transparent. And then so they said, well, you, I should write a tweet. So I just wrote a tweet. I explained how we got the coins. It was through an MNA, MNA transaction for, from the exit. And then we're selling it now. Um, if, you, if you compare two scenarios, we could sell it or, as you said, short it, which we never do, and then make the news. Um, uh, and then buy, like, that's, I think that's less ethical than saying up front, we're going to sell it. It's transparent. You do what you guys do, whatever and, you want to that, do. That, that's why I was making that point. Uh, finally, do you imagine, given that you are the strongest player now, uh, I, I believe, at least in this space, you could argue Coinbase is actually pretty strong too, in a different way, um, buying up any of the assets that may be sold in the form of bankruptcy? I know there's been questions about the future of Voyager. Uh, by the way, there's lots of folks uh, who probably would like to see somebody uh, take over uh, BlockFi so they could get their money out of there if you think that there's a way to do that uh, or any of these others. Yeah, so I think we will be very interested in looking at those assets and buying those assets, um, uh, some, especially some of the better ones. Which ones are the better ones? Uh, well, but, but before we get to that, uh, when we were um, uh, when we put, when we announced that we were look, we were looking at this deal, we does every, we did we did everything pretty publicly. There were news uh, in the U.S. about a potential alleged U.S. regulatory um, agency investigations on, uh, in, into FTX, um, and given that, we said, "Well, let's let's hands off. Um, let the let the uh, investigators investigators do their jobs, and then we probably will will be waiting for the liquidation court court liquidation so that we can directly buy it from from the court." 
So that's probably a much cleaner process. So we're kind of waiting for that process to happen. Okay. Uh, CZ, thank you for joining us this morning. We appreciate it very, very much, um, especially so much. Uh, given all of the headlines, and we hope to talk to you again. Wait, wait, wait. Which very, coins? Very before, we, before you go, which oh. coins are the ones that oh. are good ones? Yeah, which ones are the good ones what, of the assets that are, that are left? We need to look further. Um, so we don't, and I'll almost never comment about coins. It's not so much about coins. It's more about projects. Um, you know, there's many, they invest in a very large number of projects, very often very high valuations. Um, but we want to help save some of those projects. Okay. CZ, thank you again. Appreciate it. Talk to you soon. Welcome to the Canva guided meditation for stress at work. Impending deadline? Generate Canva presentations in seconds. So fast. Brainstorm got too big. Ooh. Summarize with AI in a click. Click, click, click. Writer's block. Release with Canva Magic Write. Magical. Stress less and save time at canva.com. Designed for work. And that's Squawk Pod for today. Thanks for listening. Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Tune in weekday mornings on CNBC at 6 Eastern. And follow Squawk Pod wherever you get your podcasts. If you hit that follow button, you'll get this podcast every day right in your feed as soon as we publish. Be in the know. Listen first. Follow Squawk Pod. Have a great day. And we'll meet you back here tomorrow. We are clear. Thanks, guys. From pit lane to podium, the Las Vegas Grand Prix is providing fans a race day experience at the speed they deserve. With the help of T-Mobile for Business, our 5G advanced network solutions are powering race day operations with event-wide connectivity. From streamlined gate entry to an immersive app, giving fans blazing fast access to the sport they love. This is accelerating innovation. This is the Las Vegas Grand Prix with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now.